Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us, and we will be happy to hear from you. And here is my interview. Thanks. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, hello, uh, my name is Stefan. Uh, I'm a quantum computing researcher and I do a lot of outreach. And uh, I think that's how uh, we uh, met each other uh, through an outreach um, post. I was uh, writing up about uh, some of my work on uh, teaching K-12 students. Great. So I'm curious to ask you first, um, have you ever built a robot? Uh, I know I know your background is different and that's also interesting point. How you came to outreaching activities in a STEM field? Also your work is more photonic quantum computers. I, I'm not actually aware more details about that, but um, it sounds interesting how you managed to so, I, so I guess it depends on uh, what counts as a robot, but uh, as uh, I definitely have built toys that interact with the environment around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing at the professional level or a research level, but uh, a lot of uh, gadgets either for uh, for my own uh, education or for uh, events uh, where we teach uh, K twelve students how to. Mm-hmm how to use electronics and robotics, physics or engineering. Great. So when you were a child, um, how is this affected in you when you think about science and technology and robotics? How would this resonate uh, to you when you were a child? Well, uh, the way I usually describe it is I became a physicist because I wanted to be a wizard and that was the closest, uh, the closest thing I could find. Uh-huh. Uh, knowing how to build things like that, knowing how to uh, automate the world around you, knowing how to understand the world, or, or world around you definitely gives you um, uh, powers not too different from those that uh, people imagine, imagined magicians uh, have uh, mm-hmm. a few hundred years ago. Super interesting. And if I ask you, since you're a physicist, what is the most and beautiful, profound equation and inspires you? Uh, that probably will be uh, Emily Nutter's Emily Nutter's theorem, uh, and uh, that one's convenient because you can also describe it in words without needing a, a fancy mathematical notation, while at the same time being a very deep mathematical statement about the universe. It states that. Um, if uh, if uh, the laws of the universe have a given symmetry, for instance, they're the same at every single point in the universe, that symmetry, that uh, purely geometrical statement of symmetry implies that uh, there is a conservation law. For mm-hmm. instance, the, the symmetry in space implies the conservation of momentum. The fact that the, the laws of the universe don't change with time implies the conservation of energy. And uh, it's very surprisingly elegant idea to connect symmetries and conservation laws. So I'm, I would like to go for the outreaching because I think, and even in the podcast we interviewed kids, and 
most of them think that education, and I think uh, I can also relate to that, education doesn't really place on the intellectual level. Or maybe you take substance doesn't really make sense to you. And I think that's something beautiful that you're making science as a fun. So before going to that, I would like to ask you firstly, what is common between computer science and art and physics? And that's what you actually, you are the team doing. What's common between the three um, terms? Yeah, I would say that uh, anything that deals with, uh, with uh, problem solving, whether it's physics or engineering or, or computer science, is uh, inherently related to, to creativity and artistic expression. Uh, and uh, understand usually makes it much more beautiful because uh, you get to find uh, many new ways in which the system expresses itself. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, uh, also understanding a system, understanding computer science, understanding physics gives you so much, so many more tools with which you can create something beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that, especially when you take creativity into account, I think that the overlap is very significant. Mm-hmm. And if I ask you, do you think where innovation mostly comes from? Innovation. Well, I would say that's very related. If you if you just learn how to uh, solve uh, textbook problems, uh, if you just focus on uh, some uh, algebraic manipulation, uh, you won't create something new. But if you master those skills and you understand them in the context of, uh, uh, of uh, those skills letting you understand the world around you, you get to know how to change the world around you and you get to use your own creativity to change the world for the better. And that's what I view as innovation. Mm-hmm. So I would like to ask you if you can tell us about your project and with the team Spin Wearable. Yeah, so this is something that uh, started out of uh, outreach events we were running at uh, Yale University. And uh, uh, the Society of Women Engineers at that university frequently runs events for, play, uh, for, K- for K-12 students where they uh, teach students about uh, engineering, about the design process, about the idea that uh, the students have the capacity to learn how to make the world a better place, that they don't need the permission for that. And for a lot of the events, uh, it was important for us to be able to reach out to students that don't necessarily see the, themselves as uh, techy, as uh, the math kids. And uh, to reach them, we decided to uh, explicitly approach uh, 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 engineering and math from that creative angle. So what we devised is uh, a, a set of activities where um, the hook is that you you use some engineering knowledge and tools to build something uh, beautiful, uh, whether it's some mathematical art or uh, uh, some uh, uh, LED motion sensing bracelet. Uh, all of those things were based on the idea that uh, you get to see how knowledge of math and physics and engineering lets you create something beautiful and uh, to reach more people we uh, we uh, developed a kit that uh, uh, everyone can use on their own it's uh, it can be seen on uh, spinwearables.com uh, 
and uh, it's currently on Kickstarter actually. Uh, in two or three days, it, the Kickstarter will be over. Uh, and the kit itself is a small device that uh, is uh, meant to not explicitly look like something very uh, stereotypically uh, electronics-y. It's meant to be pretty on one side, while on the other side, you can see all of the electronics underneath. Uh, so that way we approach the, the students that are uh, a little bit timid about approaching te technical subjects. Mm -hmm. And the kit itself can be used just as a, a pretty keychain or, or a earrings or a medallion or anything uh, as a hook. But the kids get to design what exactly this device does on their own. It has a motion sensor, it can be used as a compass, it can be programmed to be a step counter. And we have a large set of interactive activities where the students learn both the physics necessary for the, for the understanding of the device and the computer science and engineering uh, necessary to turn the device into something unique and something of their own. And again, you can find it on spinwearables.com. Very interesting. I would like to ask you, what is the end goal of the project or the outreach goal? Because I think you need to reach, you, you want to reach more um, students at different locations. But I would like to ask you how you would imagine uh, spin wearable and this kind of outreaching would end to what is your end goal uh in general i would like to see more uh kids like that not necessarily ours but just more uh more uh, uh educational materials that explicitly target the what is uh what is perceived to be hard engineering hard math what uh, what kids perceive as hard while well, it's actually uh, uh, just a straightforward set of tools that let them create something more beautiful. Uh, frequently, the, the, the reason people are uh, avoiding math or avoiding technical subjects is not because they won't be good at them, but because they've been told that they won't be good at them. Uh, the idea of math phobia, which is so pervasive. So the goal of those kids is to uh, to show that, uh, first, it is not that difficult to learn enough tools to make something beautiful. And when then, when you have those tools, you can start building upon them and, uh, becoming better and better and more sophisticated. We want to stress that this baseline is easy to achieve. And we want to stress that this baseline is not dry and, and, uh, and uh, boring and it's not just algebraic manipulation rather that there is a lot of beauty behind those tools and a lot of power to create more beauty by having those tools um what do you think about the current education system compared to the outreaching do you think that community and society have to deploy um, this kind of science or that applied science that could really fulfill the student in the longer term because sometimes when we have in the podcast i said earlier that the, the, the substance you take it doesn't make sometimes sense to them so when you have something like spin wearable they can make it by itself and use it as a product and have you ever think about this kind of is this something is there is a strides we have to our strides we have to take in this regard how the education should look looks like have you ever thought about that yeah i 
I think that many schools are already approaching uh, teaching in this way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think uh, uh, significant changes necessary. Curriculum as it is today, indeed, frequently can end up presenting um, the sciences as dry. But that's not inherent in the system or in the curriculum. It's just uh, it's just uh, a question of presentation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it it's relatively relatively straightforward to ensure that those uh, topics are presented as uh, creative. Uh, and one thing that's getting more more and more popular in schools is project based teaching, where besides teaching the the basic sciences that you need in order to create something you also have specifically dedicated classes where that are in this in in the style of a, a teamwork and uh, attempting to solve a problem an explicit uh, practical problem and uh, the the resulting project is the deliverable of the class and that's not a novel idea and thankfully it's becoming more and more common Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't think most of schools deploying that. It depends, I think, in uh, what kind of school, and that's something I think not every country or maybe different demographic regions deploy this learning uh, in the schools. But I hope this yeah. can be generalized. It's it's indeed not as common as it should be, but I'm fairly optimistic that it's becoming more and more common. Mm -hmm. And if I ask you, that's something interesting about that. You said something about the way you present science. Do you think it is up to the teacher uh, who delivers science? What do you think um, the most beautiful way to deliver science for kids? In in way of presentation, aside from having a practical work, when you explain ideas, what do you think the best way to do that for a kid? Um, well, I like what Arthur Clark said about uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I do view the sciences as uh, the best way to uh, to to discover the beauty of the world around you, to do things that you thought were impossible. And uh, as as such a force multiplier, it's it's my favorite way to present science. Uh, and I do think it works great because it also uh, immediately shows children that you can use science to to make the world better. Mm -hmm. So that's my usual approach. Yeah, that's beautiful. So given that you work in this outreaching, what are the challenges you face? Of course, when you have this kind of work, it's hard work. What are the challenges you mainly face? Uh, probably the, the most difficult part is ensuring that uh, the, the events we do actually reach uh, to the children that need it most. It's uh, uh, kids that have means, uh, do have a lot of opportunities to experience uh, science in this fashion. And that's, that, that's great for them and they should be encouraged uh, uh, in that way, but it's uh, difficult to ensure that all students of all backgrounds uh, have access to those events. And thankfully, at a lot of uh, institutions, there are dedicated outreach offices that 
build uh, the community around them and ensure that uh, the 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 even that even disadvantaged communities have mm-hmm. access to to those resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's very interesting. What about disadvantaged uh, communities? Do you think that um, about the funding? Because I think this kind of work is also is non-profit, and that's why it requires a lot of raising. Uh, um, yes. If you can uh, tell tell us more about that. So for a lot of our events, we rely on department. So we rely on a lot of volunteer labor. So mm-hmm. that's a very significant cost saving. Uh, the the fact that we uh, all of the people designing activities and running activities are volunteers. And in terms of materials, uh, thankfully. Uh, universities and uh, research organizations and grant organizations do do have specific parts of their budgets uh, dedicated to to outreach resources. Uh, that that works great when uh, you want to do something in your local community. Uh, when you want to reach more people, it becomes a little bit more difficult. In our case, for instance, we are running a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, as that's one of the few ways in which a small team of volunteers can fund the manufacturing run of of so many devices. And uh, in this case, we're not making any any money out of this. Uh, Everything goes for outreach work. Uh, It's to an extent difficult to ensure that uh, this device actually reaches uh, disadvantaged communities the, the Kickstarter price, while we're not making a profit, is not extremely cheap. Uh, it costs uh, $30 to $40 to get one of those devices. But thankfully, we also are getting a dedicated fund uh, from which we'll be able to uh, make kits like this one and similar kits that teach science in an artistic, in an artistic fashion and uh, run our events uh, out of that fund as well. Mm-hmm. Great. So, for the next generation, if there's a plan how this outreach plan is going to grow, what is the next plan? What kind of activities? Or do you have any kind of thoughts about what the next? Uh, so, I would like to imagine that children that go through those events will themselves try to pay it forward. And we indeed see that through, uh, uh, for instance, the office uh, at Yale University that uh, ensures, uh, that coordinates a lot of the outreach activities. They do see that uh, a lot of the students that have went through through that system and after college, they very much continued contributing to their communities. And uh, I just hope that there is such a steady state of uh, steady state of people uh, being exposed to science and continuing to expose others to to its wonders in the same fashion. Great. So I would like to ask you about um, how we ensure uh, that kids are really benefit from this kind of outreaching. Because I think given the situation we have now in our life, there's a lot of inputs coming to the mind of the child. And that's why how you make sure that you have that effect or impact in the child life. I think, I think what you're doing is very amazing because 
um, when our child and have role model and inspiration, it keeps you move forward in your life. So do you think how, how you make sure this kind of thoughts instilled as a child when you had outreaching activity? Do you have like kind of feedback or get, getting in touch with them if they, after many years, is this something you you keep in mind about, about keeping in contact with kids where they end up yeah, to? That, that's definitely important. Uh, that's why I'm uh, very happy that a lot of places, it's not just uh, a set of volunteers that run activities. I mean, that on its own is important to, to create those resources. But uh, some form of continuity is also necessary. And a lot of, at a lot of places, they're dedicated offices that coordinate outreach activities. And again, at, uh, at the university where I did my doctoral degree, uh, the office there uh, does, besides the fact that it coordinates activities, it also ensures that the, the progress of the children through, through to going through that system is being tracked. That way they know what the uh, interventions work best, they know how to, uh, they just have this uh, uh, database of results over many years. Mm. And uh, uh, that data-driven approach is pretty important to ensure that the outreach that you're performing is uh, actually having a positive effect. Mm. And it's not just uh, this joint set of fun activities. Great. So for the curriculum, do you have, a, in the, in the, when you have this kids for outreaching, do you teach them and the team, for example, robotics and AI, do you think something is also incorporated in as a part of activities for outreach? Uh, yeah, we, we do try to have a wide variety of activities uh, to cover uh, the many different facets of engineering, whether it's uh, uh, biomedical on one on one extremity or uh, going through environmental engineering or something more uh, traditionally considered engineering like mechanical or electrical engineering we ensure that we are always doing uh, uh, something that also celebrates the richness of math and its beauty and a lot of the volunteers are actually physicists so mm. we do plenty of physics as well we try to make the activities uh, always uh, in a way that makes it easy for other people to pick them up and do them on their own. Uh, we provide repos, uh, uh, even down to the details of where did we buy materials and how did we choose uh, that particular set of materials. Mm. Uh, and uh, we do have uh, all, all these resources uh, provided online in our online repositories. Mm -hmm. Great. So when you speak with the kids, what are the most misconceptions you think about science or technology? The, uh, I the, think no. the main one by far is that uh, a lot of kids think that uh, it's uh, uh, something that only uh, geniuses in uh, fancy labs can do. Uh, mm. they, they don't perceive science as a communal effort uh, where uh, many people pull their uh, their creativity and knowledge together to create something new and beautiful, and uh, that's that's the main thing that we try to fight. The idea that mm. uh, 
we try to instill the knowledge in the kids that they have the, the tools to, to learn how to make the world better on their own. That's beautiful. So if I ask you, because that's a very interesting rule, how we ensure science in general is going to be beneficial to humanity as all, well, whether robotics, AI, STEM education, whatever. Because I think when we start education process or research or something, the first question in this journey, how we make sure this technology or science is beneficial to humanity as a well. whole. Have you ever think how we can ensure this happen? Uh, yeah, that's a really difficult question. I do have a belief that uh, knowing how the world works, having the power to change the world naturally, naturally leads you to just having more resources and making it easier for you to be better to others. Uh, and uh, that's, that's how I usually reconcile that difficulty. Just the uh, knowledge brings you resources and resources makes it much easier to be good to others. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting points about that you also include, I think, parents in, uh, in this kind of outreaching, right? Yeah, we definitely try to run activities uh, in a way where uh, the kids come and do something in one part of the building. Mm -hmm. And we, for the parents that have the time, we also uh, run an event specifically for them where we provide them with resources where they can uh, uh, make activities on their own for their, their children. Uh, and also instilling the same uh, idea that they don't need to be an engineer or a scientist to to instill the love for science in, in mm -hmm. their children, that they don't need the permission for from someone with a degree in order to start doing scientific experiments at home. I think that's a very important point because um, that's belief in academia that you can't find uh, intellectual fulfillment outside uh, the walls of, uh, of a lab or something. And that's a powerful message from you. Um, if I ask you, uh, if someone asks this question, how anyone can find intellectual fulfillment outside academia or research to help the community? What could be this beside of outreaching for you, for example? Uh, I mean, some people don't like, are not very social. Some people are not... Uh... Uh, are not uh, uh, extroverts and uh, for them it might be difficult to to focus on uh, on talking to children about their research but that mm. doesn't mean that they're not uh, the very people that will make the life of those children better through, through their own research work i i i myself am fairly introverted nonetheless i uh get to design a lot of those activities for children and uh, for people that don't find that as their comfort points, uh, their, their work of just uh, expanding the some knowledge of humanity mm -hmm. uh, and finding new ways to make the world better is, I find the most fulfilling. Okay, so how how do you think we can engage general public in STEM? Because I, I have to, I maybe I'm biased here a little bit because I, I'm a little bit upset about the trend when we see, for example, um, 
really not good example for kids and promoted in social media and etc. And that's kind of, and, and maybe people not aware about the technology enough. I'm, 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 I'm saying about maybe, um, I don't know how percentage of people in the community, but this is a trend. If I ask you how, how you can engage general public in the importance of STEM education? Uh, well, I, I like the point you brought about, uh, say, social media, because uh, it, the, the more viral things are indeed frequently uh, not the best role models for children. But mm -hmm. uh, there's still some really great uh, uh, materials that have been created that wouldn't have been possible with all, without those new technologies. There is a whole ecosystem of uh, wonderful YouTube educational channels, whether something like uh, Kurzgesagt or, or Physics Girl or the, the, the large set of amazing uh, mathematics channels. Uh, or uh, in particular, I really like the, the, the history cartoons done by Extra Credits. Mm -hmm. So that those new technologies, while, while they uh, frequently can prey on uh, uh, on the way we want to consume information, the desire for instant, instant gratification, they also have ways in which to interact with the public. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it will always be a balance between those, those two issues. And uh, we'll always have the new technologies that can uh, uh, mistrigger some parts of our uh, animal brain, but this, these same technologies uh, do enable uh, great new ways of collaboration and education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. So if I ask you what, if anyone wants to listen to us now and want to start in their own place an initiative for outreaching, what makes outreaching successful? Um, Start small, <laughs> definitely that part, yeah. uh, and uh, just start with humble goals at the beginning. Uh, it's uh, no, none of us will change the world on our own, but uh, we can make a small contribution to our community, and those things uh, pull together, and do they do end up having significant effect at the end. So just. Uh, uh, pick something you're passionate about. Uh, if it's a scientific topic, great. Uh, look around for, for people that have done something similar before and start building on, on those ideas. Mm -hmm. Great. So if I ask you how you would imagine the future of education and outreaching, have you ever imagined something completely new in your mind every day you met him? Oh, I, I want something like that in the future. For outreaching and education, uh, no drastic changes. Just uh, more of my favorite things. More of seeing uh, seeing children learn, uh, not just learn a new set of uh, skills and tools, but learn that those uh, skills and tools are not just arbitrary. They are tools that uh, can change the world. And true project-based education actually changing the world. I think just a little bit more of that. Uh, and uh, that's how I see the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
if I ask you about the robotics as well and even technology, do you think human and robotics can get along in the future? Do you think it could be cooperative or competitive if we speak about uh, robots? I'm fairly optimistic about uh, it being very cooperative. If anything, I I imagined a very distant future in which we don't really try to distinguish uh, human from from robots all that much. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's maybe uh, my uh, uh, sci-fi side talking. Yeah, but uh, because I, I'm actually a bit concerned about, for example, in China they have female teacher robot, and that is something. Um, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me replacing human being with a robot, especially female teacher robot. What do you think about this kind of um, initiative of replacing human teacher with robot teacher in the class? Well, I guess it depends on what the robot is. If it's a current day robot that probably doesn't have the skills of a human, that does seem like a bad idea. It seems like uh, it would be giving way less opportunities to the children to to learn uh, uh, here and there technology can be a great force multiplier and uh, make teaching better by being used appropriately but mm. uh, in the near term we should be careful about using a technology that's not ready for for tasks like that i do think that uh, if you can distinguish a robot from a human uh, it's probably the robot is not skillful enough yet to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you agree with this idea? Yeah, the, in the near term, we should be much more careful about using technology, especially if it's not ready. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And about the curiosity for the kids, because I think, I don't know, when we go to schools at certain level, um, dependent teacher or even in academia recently when you have questions um, outside um, the norm uh, it sounds to be not welcomed if you uh, seek for a child do you think how, how you can um, perceive the questions and curiosity and make sure they still fight for their curiosity in a longer term yeah it's not not having good teachers is definitely a, a a big difficulty if if your teachers don't encourage you to to explore if uh, if nobody in your circle uh, encourages you of that it would be pretty difficult to be exposed to those ideas uh, thankfully again there are a lot of technologies and a lot of uh, new communication channels that mm. that if used properly can give give uh, this push to a kid but uh, i don't think i have a, uh i don't think i can imagine a solution that uh, would work without a mentor in in the kid's life uh, giving them the initial push in that direction to explore mm -hmm. i don't think there is a silver bullet for that yeah. So when you have this kind of outreaching, you already give the student or the kid skills of the future. And we're discussing always a point that about um, why we have advanced robotics or AI systems that can replace human being in, in different uh, work jobs. 
and could may lead to uh, may lead to social inequality. Have you ever think about that? Do you think that something could happen if uh, if we don't have a community? They have the skills need for 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 certain jobs. Uh, how do you think about this kind of contrast between um, robots, advanced robot, and social inequality? And do you think the community and the or maybe the upcoming generation, where are the kids now aware of this uh, situation? Yes, that that would be a difficult part in our. Uh in our near future. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that uh, will make a lot of jobs uh, unnecessary, but it also will make uh, jobs that are inherently uh, more, uh, more, it, automation has easier time automating jobs that are less creative. Mm -hmm. And uh, that will, that will give, uh, a lot of people more time to be creative, but also uh, if society doesn't uh, uh, evolve uh, together with that idea, all those people might not have the opportunity to use that free time just because society would have uh, left, them, left them behind. Mm -hmm. So yeah, while it can be a very utopic future, at the same time, if we're not careful, it might also leave a lot of people uncared for yeah and do you think ego is important when you're a researcher or teacher ego well i am trying frequently to tell kids how science is uh, not done by lone geniuses but by collaborative efforts and to be fair uh being egocentric does uh, help a scientist present their work and sell their work better but that doesn't mean that their work is better uh, it means that they're better at uh, bragging about themselves real progress is done by teams that know how to work together and ego is only a detriment in that case mm -hmm. and in the long term that's the work that actually survives the the test of time yeah and which book inspired you and give you excited every day to keep working on what you love to do? Well, uh, something that I read recently and I really enjoyed was The Martian. I think that uh, anyone that uh, does uh, any form of engineering or problem solving should read it because it's uh, truly a great story of how, uh, mm. uh, how how problem solving saves lives. And in terms of uh, more inspirational literature, I really enjoyed the science fiction of Greg Egan, who describes uh, uh, a future in which uh, not necessarily technology, but the basic science, the understanding of the universe itself is the, the, the force that lets you make the world uh, uh, a better, more loving place. That's very wonderful. In the next 100 years, what a thing you wish for humanity can do? Well, uh, immortality would certainly be nice. Uh, mm. uh, gen just the general notion of uh, uh, scarcity and ending the, the idea of scarcity. We Our technology is already so near that level. So just uh, 
maybe learning how to be less uh, greedy and just uh, be happy that our technology has or is already capable of taking care of our basic needs so we can just focus on bettering ourselves uh, a version of of uh, picard's star trek next generation that's wonderful so if i ask you what is the best advice was given to you whether personally or professionally you would like to share with the audience uh just just uh just try to help others uh i mean the knowledge we're gaining does give you a deep understanding of the universe but with that deep understanding of the universe you also get the power to make the universe better mm -hmm. so focus on that yeah and for you uh, is there something uh, what's your next goal in life uh, if you have any you can share what's your goals in uh just keep going on my research and outreach work i i guess it's a fairly uh 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 not particularly bombastic uh goal mm -hmm. uh, just uh continue attempting to to uh make the world a better place little by little yeah and we come to the end though if you have any final words you would like to share with vortex community a message uh i mean uh i'm just very grateful that you uh invited me to the podcast Thank and you. uh just uh keep doing the good work work of uh making uh science better and better Thank you. I think that's very interesting. And, and uh, I would like to stress again, if uh, if anyone wants to contribute in the project, uh, it's, it's accessible for everyone to make a donation and also contribute. Yeah, so, I would love if more people go to spinwearables.com. Yeah, that's that's something uh, uh, myself also, I'm interested in this project. So again, thanks so much for your time and, and this interesting discussion. And above IEEE Rans Robotics, I would like to thank for your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.